What's up, everyone? Welcome to Yanks Go Talking, the weekly U.S. soccer podcast. Today, we're going to be talking through the best performances of last week. So your favorite segments are back with Stars and Strikes. I think the biggest news that we'll probably cover is something that didn't even happen on the field, which is that the fourth place CONCACAF team has been drawn against the winner of the OFC to play for their place in the World Cup. So we did avoid the South American fifth place team, which was hugely important if we want to feel a bit safer with that congested four places at the top of the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. Before we get into all of that, we haven't been back together as a team for a few weeks. So big shout out to Manny and Tom for co-hosting while uh, Ryan and I were away. We've gotten through the holidays okay, but Tom, Ryan, welcome back. Tom, how are you doing? Doing great. How are you doing, Jake? I'm all right. Uh, I was saying before we started, it feels like it's been a while, but uh, I know it's only been a few yeah. weeks. So shaking the rust off. How about you, Ryan? Oh, good, man. Just been traveling all over the place. Uh, spent like a week in Paris, went up to Brussels for a little while. Uh, so, yeah, I've been lucky. Finally got to use some time off and things were still open. Unfortunately, numbers are kind of on the rise here right now. So it looks like things could be shutting down again. I know Austria has already closed its borders. Um, so in Leipzig just this past week, I think they went without supporters. So hoping we're not slipping back into that. You know, it's been nice to have everything open. Um, heck, even some places here in Germany, some friends told me over the weekend in Nuremberg, they were even asked for what they're calling 2G+. plus. So they had to have their vaccines, their passport, and a negative test to go into a museum. Wow. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's definitely ramping back up quite a bit over here. I hope we're, we're not out of stadiums because uh, that's one of the best parts about being over here is being able to go check out some games. I had have some tickets for this weekend. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I'll be able to go. Yeah, I, that ticket was had my name on it as well. I was going to come visit you. We had everything set up, but it's just too up in the air right now. So eventually we will come over and maybe it'll be at a downtime for for Tom to take advantage of the travel as well. But uh, yeah, I hope Hoffenheim still allows some supporters over there and you get to watch our boy Chris Richards in action. If he plays, we'll see. Uh, He's been on the bench starting recently. But uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the biggest news from last week, which impacts the U.S. qualifying chances for the World Cup, which is that the CONCACAF fourth team is drawn against the OFC winner, which at this point I think looks to be New Zealand. However, it could be another team. They're not set yet and they're qualifying. This made me feel a bit more comfortable and confident going into the next qualifying windows. It looked to be that Really, the top three teams with that automatic qualification spot was exactly where you wanted to be. And obviously, that still is. You never want to go into a playoff where anything can happen. But I feel much more confident going up against New Zealand than potentially the fifth-place CONMEBOL team, Uruguay, Ecuador, Colombia, um, any of those kind of B-tier teams in South America. Tom, how did you feel with that draw? Anything really stick out to you in terms of the U S chances. So we talked at length on our last podcast episode about how mathematically we weren't feeling terribly safe because Panama was sort of making our life difficult and we needed to really be on our a game to reach that third place spot. We don't want to be in the fourth place spot still, but just looking mathematically, 
I think our chances went up to around 99.9% to qualify at this point, just based on that result, because Oceania is terrible as a region, just in general. So we should be heavily, heavily favored if we find ourselves in that fourth place spot against the Oceanic Federation. They haven't started their, their qualifying. It's actually a disaster so far from what I've read. But New Zealand is not a team that we have to worry about. We should be able to comfortably beat them even in June in a one-off game in Cotter. Ryan, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely takes a lot of the angst out for us. You know, Even though I feel like we're in good position right now, we sh- I think we're going to be able to avoid the fourth-place game and hopefully not have to play, off game, or play in a playoff game to get in. I'm super optimistic about that. Uh, but could you, I mean, even if we do end up and we are playing New Zealand, do you call in Tyler Boyd just for the, the little extra? Like, why not? You know, he he should be playing in that game in some way, shape or form. Uh, I, I, I could just imagine being in his shoes. It's got to be a little bit tough. But as far as going forward for the U.S. and qualifying, I think it's I think getting this kind of draw is really, really a big step for us. But one thing I would kind of curious as to back. Because Jake, you're you're over here as well. So what is it? Europe or Europe gets twelve teams? I think fourteen or fifteen. Yeah. They qualify? It's fourteen or fifteen. 14. It's almost half the teams. That's yeah. insane. So yeah, hopefully we should be able to get one of the top three places for us. I saw you know people kind of going back on fourth. If you look at Europe qualifying, it's crazy right now. You know, with the draw that they had, it could be Portugal and Italy in the final. I believe. So one of those teams yeah. won't won't make it. There was a lot of talk on Twitter of people freaking out, saying it's unfair that one of Portugal or Italy won't make it. But in my mind, it's the same story over and over again. Like if they could have beat Northern Ireland or any of the teams that are, you know, ranked eighty in the world or below to get those extra points, they would have qualified from their group. So it took a long qualifying campaign for them playing eight or 10 games against the other European competition to be in this stage where they still have the chance to go through a playoff. And in my mind, if you want to watch the best European teams, then watch the Euros. And that's like the end of that discussion. This is the World Cup. Europe gets almost half the teams. CONCACAF gets three or four. Commonwealth gets four or five. Like You need other teams to fill out the World Cup to truly see what the best competition is out there. And for me, like, it's probably going to spawn more conversations if we do get into that fourth spot of, are we happy about that? Um, Should we be content with making the World Cup from that fourth spot? I think Mexico had to do it uh, two World Cups ago, and then they made it out of the group winning two of their group games. So it's, it's kind of just a point in time for the U.S. I think, Ryan, you said it, it makes you a bit more confident and we can have less pressure on us when we're going into these next qualifying rounds. But for me, the after the last World Cup, the U.S. didn't make it to Russia. That is my only goal right now. Obviously, I won't be happy with finishing fourth or not making it automatically, but I will be happy in the end if we make the World Cup. I agree. Yeah, the goal is to qualify. It doesn't matter how you get there. It could be really ugly. You just got to get there. And after last time failing to do that, that's our only goal. Style points, you know, while they're nice, don't actually matter in terms of this competition. So 
let's just get it done however we have to, even if we have to do like Mexico did in 2014 and flatten New Zealand 8-2 in Cotter. Let's do that. Or let's finish <laughs> first. Um, I, I, I think mean, that I think too. Said, <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about us being in a good position, but I, I will push back on that a little bit that we're only one point off of fourth place and we're only one point behind first place as well. So it's just a very tight race at this point. It's consolidated. If Jamaica gets on a hot streak, they could potentially start pushing for that fourth or third spot. But at the moment, it really looks like a four-horse race for what is now looking like four places into the World Cup. All right, so let's talk a little bit about who's going to help us get there with those performances. Some stars and strikes from this week. Guys, who had the best performances that you want to call out? Who are your stars? Maybe, Ryan, let's start on your end. Well, it was definitely tough. Not a lot of like stuff on the score sheet this week. So you had to really actually be watching a lot of these games to, to find some good performances. Uh, one off the stat sheet, though, I think it was really big for Conrad to come in and make an impact with his midweek game against Galatasaray. Uh, did get an assist in that game. So it was pretty impressive to see him go 60 or uh, to see him finally get on the board in some way, shape or form for Marseille. Uh, then he came back to over the week and played 69 minutes on the weekend. So overall, seeing him get more minutes and get involved, gain some confidence. He's always a guy that does like looks really dangerous and he's one pass away. And at 20, I'm okay with that. I'd like to see him slowly start to progress, but still very young, not going to panic at all, but like to see him start finishing uh, either for himself or distributing to other people. Um, other ones, I thought it was really impressive to see uh, Mark McKenzie finally back in the, in the uh, starting lineup for Gank. And he was able to go 90 minutes over the weekend, but then and he has a man of the match performance and then come to the weekend and he doesn't play. Like I, I can't make any sense of that. Um, and, and last but not least, I, it's kind of, you can just go to him pretty much every week at this point, but I feel like McKenney just continues to be a vital force for Juventus. Uh, at this point, he's in every single starting lineup and he's they're one of the most impactful players. So from this week, you know, didn't see a whole lot um, but those were three that definitely stuck out to me. Most importantly, I think uh, McKenzie finally getting some minutes at Gank is is the biggest surprise. Now, if we had a must-win game right now, would you choose Conrad over Paul Ariola? Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, I would. I would. I, I think so. I yeah. Maybe. Go for it, Ryan. <laughs> Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, I mean, I've, I've been banging the drum for long enough for him. And, you know, I kind of stick up for some of the guys abroad, maybe a little bit younger and still have to prove themselves a little bit. But I definitely subscribe to, uh, at this point in qualifying, like, give me talent over experience for sure. Um, I think that's proven throughout this qualifying experience that when we've leaned more on guys with talent over experience, it's it's worked out pretty well for us. So, yeah, I don't know. If I had to pick right now, yeah, I'm, go I'm going Conrad. I think he'll create opportunities for someone like McKinney who likes to arrive late. Could be a good combination there. But you don't get to pose that question and get away with it. You've got to answer it too. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd probably pick Conrad. Probably. Um, probably. It's, it's just pushing on that, like, Greg mentality of do I choose experience and knowing that this player gives me a 6 out of 10 instead of a, a possible 2 or a possible 8. But, uh, yeah, Conrad playing many more minutes now for Marseille. I think you have to say that's 
better production and better competition than what, what Paul Ariel is putting up. Um, McKen McKenny, there's too many identical names in our pool, <laughs> and especially with the Cadens coming and the Cades. Um, McKenny's Juventus, I read today, might be relegated and stripped of their their Scudetto because of false accounting. So if that happens, really? I hope he uh, maybe is sold to Southampton <laughs> or maybe Arsenal will <laughs> take him over uh, over Tyler Adams. But I he has been one of their yet. best best players this mm. season so far. So it's good to see him um, just mm. continuing momentum. And he did go out of the game with a slight knee injury, but all of the reports are that the test came back negative and he should be only out a few weeks. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him out till like mid-January. Hopefully. I mean, our next competitive game is the 27th of January, I believe. Yes. So just early enough for him to get back and get back in form. Mm -hmm. Tom, how about you? Who are your stars? My first star, I'm going to go back all the way to last weekend in Christian Pulisic getting back on the field for Chelsea. He got a goal against Burnley, I think it was, and then has played twice as the false nine. I guess he played it as a false nine, his second appearance, and there was a right wing back in the game this past Saturday against Manchester United. He looked good in all three games. I don't think he was as, as effective as the false nine as possibly he could have been, but he was fantastic against Burnley. Should have had more than just the one goal. Should have had an assist too, and should have had the game-winning assist against Manchester United on Saturday as well. So good to see CP10 rounding back into form. Excited to see how he can do as he comes back. My second name, I'm going to go with Tim Ream, who ended up getting a equalizing goal for Fulham in their championship match this weekend. Love to see him get on the score sheet. He's just indispensable for Fulham right now. And, you know, he might not fully be in the picture anymore, but I just, you know, he's a great player and I love to see him show out. My third pick, like I'm also Tim going, <laughs> I like Tim Ream too. He's a veteran. He's almost Burhalter's age, but continues to play for the U.S. <laughs> and play meaningful minutes. What's not to like about that? Going one further to a name that's even further away from the U.S. pool is Bobby Wood, who has been fantastic in the MLS playoffs right now. He got he had excellent penalty in the surprise knockout of Seattle and then got the match winner on a tidy little finish against SKC the other night. So Bobby Wood rounding into form and pushing for maybe an argument for this December camp. Maybe. That would be the redemption arc of a century. <laughs> If Bobby Wood but it's comes December back camp. to be our nine. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. I, why not call him in and see if he's still got it? Because, you know, we have strikers, but no one's stood out yet. And no one has more important goals in our pool than Bobby Wood right now. That's true. He, he does well under pressure, for sure. Um, Ryan, I think you had also called out that Yuli Lanas had a goal. And I just saw a video, a clip of his pass that didn't quite make it to an assist, but it was perfectly weighted to an attacker. So we'll call him out. Um, yeah, I thought, I, I thought that was a big one. I mean, it's good to see him getting back into form. He's been somebody that's just been, he's just been needing minutes. That's, that's all Yuli I feel like has ever needed. I feel like the rest of it is there. So, you know, a little rough patch for him where he had to come home for a bit, then went back out. Uh, was, you know, still obviously playing for Wolfsburg when he was back in the States, but just needed to be away for family time. So to see him come back, 
and things kind of falling into place for him. Just a great kid. You you love to see it, especially 85th minute to score like that and to to win it for your team is always big. Um, one other person I forgot to mention too, uh, just continues to plug away quietly up there in the Netherlands is Sam Vines. Uh, and he even played both sides over the past week. He played right back and left back. So showing a little bit of versatility, but from what I've seen of Sam Vines, he, he doesn't have much of a right foot. So I, I didn't get to see him play on the right side, but I can't imagine that that played to his strength. I did see that he had a better performance over the weekend when they got the three, no win. Oh, I think it's, Ustende? Don't, don't quote me on that one. <laughs> I just want to say, I just want to name all our teams Antwerp. I think that's a great, great soccer team name. All right. Uh, I will back up everyone that said Tim Ream, everyone, all, all two of you. I think it was Tom that called him out. Um, this, this guy is captioning the team that is in the lead in the championship right now they're joint for least amount of goals given up i'm i'm on the tim ream wagon right now i think he still has more to give <laughs> to this u.s team and i don't care who knows it i'll scream that at the, the top of the hill <laughs> um busio continues to get meaningful minutes for a venezia team that looks to be pretty set to stay in the first division and his teammate Tanner Tessman from the SC Dallas Academy is continuing to get minutes as well. I, they lost over the weekend, but Tessman had a really good performance. I love to see him playing very confidently in the six. I think he's a shout for our kind of backup six if Kellen Acosta and Tanner Tessman can start battling out for Tyler Adams' backup. That would kind of be my go to at the moment, but I would love to see Tessman get just a bit more playing time in Syria before I'm ready to make that statement. But I think he's very, um, he's in the picture. He's starting to get into the, the fringe of the picture for the U S men's national team. Yeah. I, it's a shame we can't see him in December, which would be the perfect window to call him in and see what he had. But I don't see any way Venezia re- releases him for that window. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's playing for them. It's not an international FIFA window. They need everyone that they can get to stay up in that that league because things can go south pretty quickly if you go on a poor run of form all right anyone else to call out for a star before we move to striking people out let's go to strikes let's go to strikes folks tom who are you striking my first strike deservedly goes to walker zimmerman i don't know if you guys watched (laughs) the end of the nashville philly game last night it was a legendarily poor penalty shootout for Nashville, having their first two saved by Andre Blake and then missing their last two badly. Zimmerman's especially probably ended up in the Delaware River and lost them that game and it was just a really poor penalty and deserves all the criticism he's getting today for that one because yikes. <laughs> um, beyond that, my main strike is how injured we are. McKenny banged up, Hoppy still not playing, Reina still out. It's just really rough having these players in poor form and injured so much in Europe right now. And, you know, we want to see our guys play and getting minutes as we go towards our next window, but we're not seeing a whole lot of great form because we just can't get healthy, which is very frustrating. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I feel like if we have to strike out the entire Nashville team, if you lose a penalty shootout two to nothing, 
<laughs> that's that's like one for the record books. It, it it was bad. I was I was watching in the airport as I flew back to New Mexico last night, and everyone was giving me strange looks as I kept laughing every time Nashville took a penalty. <laughs> like at least the first two were on frame, and Blake made good saves. But man, both of the the final penalties went. I, even Alex Mules, I think, could have gone into the river. It was yeah. that bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was one of the worst penalty shootouts I have ever seen in a any professional <laughs> soccer game. Yeah. Ryan, who who are you calling out for poor performances this week? So, so I feel like it's being a little little bit harsh. I, I wouldn't say they're necessarily poor, but I think Aronson's taken a little dip over the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's in a league in which we expect him to be dominating in and getting on the scoreboard pretty much week in and week out. Uh, and it's been a little bit for him. Um, so he's been, he did play midweek uh, where he went 86 minutes against Lille. Uh, and that was you know a tough game for them as well. But then for them to come back over the weekend and lose to SK Austria Klagenfurt uh, is de- definitely, you know, not a team that I expect to see Salzburg losing to. Uh, so a little bit of a dip from him recently. Also too, uh, Christian Kappis hasn't been getting the same amount of minutes that he was getting, uh, maybe about a, a month ago or so. So see a little bit of dip in form there. That's a little bit disappointing. Those are guys that, you know, you want to see them progressing and making that next jump. They're both at clubs that uh, should be kind of selling clubs. So they're guys that we definitely want to see in, in good form. So therefore they can move on hopefully to, to bigger and better things. Uh, and then lastly, it was just, I just thought it was kind of interesting to hear desk get declared healthy and fit for the game against Benfica, but then to only play four minutes and then also, you know, not get any minutes over the weekend. So questionable that he's still fit at this time. Kind of just like you said, Tom, you know, just we're really suffering through a lot of injuries right now. And go figure that's when Pulisic's back and kind of getting healthy. It's We, we can never get it all at once. It's frustrating. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it took until this year for Pulisic, Adams, and McKenney to play a game together since they've been in the national team picture. That's how insane our injury record has been. We still have never seen Reina, Dest, Pulisic, McKenney, and Adams on the field at the same time. Jeez. Well, Bundesliga has a break in the winter, so maybe we'll get Reina back healthy in January. And if if Dest just doesn't play for two months, (laughs) he'll probably be healthy, but not in form. (laughs) I do worry about Dest a little bit with a new coach coming into Barcelona. Dest was preferably one of the better players on the Barcelona team before Coleman got fired. And now to not really be seeing the field under a new coach. So it's never a great sign. Um, even the right backs that he's been, um, that Zavi has played with aren't necessarily the experienced older players that you would kind of trust to solidify a position or, or come into a new situation. So I do worry a bit for Dest and his, his ability to get on the field. Should we worry? Is my worry unfounded? (laughs) No, I think it's reasonable. Anytime that you get any sort of change in the scenery, whether it's location, coach, even agent, anything like that, it it can throw you out of your rhythm. So I felt like Dest was in a really good place where he was getting regular minutes and you could tell even the fans and the players around him were really starting to gravitate to him. And he's a player that it's, relies so much on his confidence. So, you know, a, a happy, healthy Serginho Dest 
baguette in hand is the kind of Serginho Dest I want to see. Uh, sitting on the bench, not needing to carb load is disappointing. You think he's still eating baguettes before the game? I would. Just, yeah. just for the bench? A hundred percent. Yeah. Got to be ready. <laughs> That's true. Right. Got to be, got to be amped. Got to be hyped. Um, I'm not necessarily striking some of these players for poor performances, just in general, the group of players from the U.S. that are playing in Germany right now seem to have taken a dip in form or playing time. So Chris Richards has been not starting for Hoffenheim over the last few weeks. Tyler Adams was suspended for RB Leipzig's uh, Champions League game where they won 5-0 against Club Bruges and then made a substitute appearance in their loss over the weekend. So it's I think it's tough when you're not on the field for a 5-0 victory and then start as a sub in your next Bundesliga game. Gio Reyna is still injured, so that's a difficult piece for the U.S. men's national team to figure out, uh, especially with some of the Timothy Weah and Aronson performances for the country over the last qualifying window. Um, but I guess my other strike is staying in the Bundesliga, Jesse Marsh. Um, even John Brooks and, uh, before I get to Jesse Marsh, I want to say John Brooks and uh, Joe Scally both didn't have the best performances over the weekend. So it's tough to see basically all of those teams lose. Uh, I think Hoffenheim won 6-3, but uh, Chris Richards just got in as a substitute. Jesse Marsh now has kind of righted the ship in terms of the Champions League performances, although they'll likely be in the Europa League once the, the group finishes out. But the league form has not been kind to our American manager, not named Matarazzo in the Bundesliga. Are you are you guys worried for Jesse Marsh's position at RB Leipzig at all? Yes, but at the same time, if he doesn't succeed at Leipzig, he'll find a landing spot and he'll get another chance somewhere else. And so if it doesn't work out there, there's other opportunities for him to prove himself. So you think this is not like the Bob Bradley situation where once he was fired from Swansea, it was kind of like he needs to go back to MLS? No, I think, I, I, I think he's proven he's yeah. good enough for Europe. Yeah, he's proven he's good enough for Europe. He did really well with Salzburg. So his level might not yet be RB Leipzig, but it could be a mid-tier team in the Bundesliga or in, you know, maybe France or Serie A or something like that. Ryan, you're yeah, I mean, you're a local commentator yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, they're still sitting in eighth place right now. I think Salzburg, Leipzig in general, their system... If they play, they're they're pretty good to their coaches. They give them time. It's it's not people are so used to the Premier League where it's so everyone gets fired in the drop of a hat. I don't think the Bundesliga is like that so much. They're they're more willing to stick it out. I mean, if Kohnfeld could have stuck with uh, Bremen for that long, with how atrocious their football was to watch, I, I think Jesse at least has a full season in him. Um, and like you were saying, he's kind of, he's, he's definitely getting better. I think a good showing in Europa, maybe getting to the semifinals could go a really long way for him. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not hitting the panic button on him yet. I know he's just getting comfortable. Uh, so I, and I think he's in a system that's going to continue to give him a little bit of leash throughout at least this season. Um, and then I think next season, if they don't come out hot, then they'll be, you know, Jesse might be on the hot seat a little bit, but you got to remember how many players Leipzig lost over this past year. They lost so many talented players. So a bunch of new players, new coach. 
I don't think, you know, to be at the midway point in eighth place is, is horrendous. I don't think that's a fireable offense. Yeah, it's absolutely true. I don't necessarily worry about it mostly because Red Bull has invested so much time and energy into him as a coach. I mean, think about how long he's been in their system, starting out at New York, then moving to an as an assistant to Ralph Ragnick in RB Leipzig, and then moving to Salzburg before taking over the head coaching spot at Leipzig. So you're talking about a six to eight year plan at this point for Jesse Marsh to get through the pipeline of coaching talent for Leipzig. And I, I do think you're right. They give him at least a year and then see where they're at at the next season when they can can uh, stabilize the team and, and start to build that same mentality around them. All right, so talking about our players, our coaches, we have a December camp coming up. It is not a World Cup qualifying camp. We will be playing one game against Bosnia and Herzegovina. It will include most likely all MLS players or players from Europe that are on a break. So guys, I don't want to go through the entire roster that you think should be there, but I would love to just hear um, who are a few of those names that you do want to see in that camp. I think we talked about Bobby Wood. Is that genuinely a player that you want to see if RSL gets knocked out? Because it will be during the MLS playoffs as well. So are there any players that stand out to you that you want to make sure are there in this U.S. camp? Ryan, maybe let's start on your side. So uh, a couple of people that I'd like to see. <clears throat> One, Jesus Ferreira, I think, has proven himself with the national team that he's I – wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's guaranteed to be in the 23 by any means, but I think he's proven that he deserves the look. So I, I think he's a really important player to get in there. Uh, I hope we don't see Pepe in this roster. Uh, I'm hoping to see him moving to Europe during the this the time in which this takes place. So hopefully, you know, let's keep him healthy, packaged up, and get him over here. Um, and another player, too, just kind of recently coming back to health that I would question you guys is he's one of Greg's boys, Jordan Morris. So if Jordan Morris comes into this camp and plays well, does that – automatically put him back in our 23. I know Greg will want to, but what would it take for you guys out of this from Jordan Morris to end up back in our 23? If rain is hurt, not much considering his competition is Paul Ariola for a winger spot. And okay. if we're talking about a uh, prime Jordan Morris versus Paul Ariola, then I'm taking Jordan Morris every day of the week. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's a really interesting question because it highlights another conversation we had a few weeks ago about Aaron Long is that a year ago, Jordan Morris and Aaron Long were starters on this U.S. men's national team. Aaron Long was the captain for the last two years before he got hurt. So I, I do think like there there is probably a spot for Jordan Morris on this team. I'd love to see him in that Paul Areola spot, but for me, like even if we're talking about Conrad versus Morris, I might still take Conrad in that space. And I think Morris needs like a few months of game time under him. Seattle is out now, I think, uh, yes. of the MLS playoffs. So he likely will be in that camp. But I mean, he's that was like his first, maybe third game back from injury. I think he needs a bit more game time and, and proving ground to come back into the camp in January. I see yeah, you shaking your head, Ryan. Do you feel like it's inevitable no, I, that he'll be back in the 23? 
He's not a guy that I've ever rated very highly. Uh, I I think that he missed his opportunity to to come play abroad and to, and to you know challenge himself week in and week out on a daily basis. Um, I'll give him this much, you know, he he would have been in a bad offense if he if he went to Verter because that's who he was trialing with. So that would have been kind of a, a tough situation for him. So that could have been the right choice. But he's definitely come a long way in his MLS career. He's bettered himself for sure. Uh, I just think he could have taken another step if if he had been challenging himself in Europe. Uh, I just, with the way Greg plays his wingers, and if he wants them to come underneath the forward, then, and that's kind of one of the reasons he's been saying that he sees Conrad as more of, a winger that stands on the sideline and really likes to cut in and where Greg wants those players that will connect and play underneath. The first thing that comes to head when I think of Jordan Morris is not first touch. That's for sure. Uh, so to see him play in that kind of role, I just don't think it suits him. Uh, yeah. Now, if we are going to have wingers running in behind, sure. Does he still have the pace he had before the knee surgery to be determined? It, it yeah. kind of depends on which word Greg Berhalter wants to focus on <laughs> in the January window. If it's verticality, then yeah, Jordan Morris probably has a place on this team to stretch the defense and run them behind. But if it's a bit more balanced, like the last window, then he, yeah, he is probably not the guy that you want. He, he's a one or two trick pony, but he's very good at those tricks. And yeah. I think that's what I, I've also liked to see before he got injured, he was very left-footed from you know his early ages, but he has developed a right foot and has done well to score a bit more goals from different areas than than just a left-footed player would be. Um, but yeah, again, for me, he just still has a bit more to prove. Yeah, uh, I, I think it really depends because the word that comes to mind when I think of Jordan Morris is verticality. He used to be so <laughs> fast. And he's such a big, strong guy that he can really knock players off the ball and win 1v1 challenges. So if we're trying to get him behind, it makes sense to bring him back into the team a lot more than Conrad. I just don't know if he's ready for it yet, and it'll be interesting to see. I think the December camp is a good spot to sort of show us what he's still got. Yeah. Tom, who who are the players that you're hoping to see? Um, I would really like to see Georgie Mihailovic. He's sort of my main guy that I want to see what he gets brings to that midfield, especially that sort of hybrid dual eight role. Uh, Johnny Cardozo is another name that comes to mind as someone who has been playing very well. It'd be interesting to see him get a look. I don't know if he can with the Brazilian league schedule. I don't actually know like when their breaks are, if he could get a look. And then for me, the Cadens, Cade Cowell, Caden Clark, it's time to get them called up and see what they can do with the full national team. They've both had very good MLS seasons for how young they are. Caden Clark is going to Europe. So I don't know if Leipzig will want him playing in this window, but it's time to start integrating them into the team to see what they have. Yeah. That was going to be my, one of two players that I was going to call out and they're both Red Bulls. The first is Caden Clark. I think he showed more than enough in the league season that he's ready. And then at the U20 tournament, he was probably the U.S. best player on that team. Um, it's it's still up in the air, I think, about what happens in the winter window and if he goes back on loan from Leipzig or stays with the team in Germany. Um, so I would imagine that 
a U.S. camp under his belt and a, a game with the team isn't the worst thing in the world to happen to him. The other Red Bull that I'd love to see is John Tolkien, another very young player, plays left back, right back, um, had a breakout season for the Red Bulls, was basically a no-name player before this season and has just really taken the the position for his own in that Red Bull team. Uh, he had, you know, Kyle Duncan could play that position as well. Kyle Duncan's another name that we could potentially see in this camp, although he is now on a free transfer to a team in Europe. So he might be in that kind of preseason or, or getting reps with the team and wants to go immediately over to his new team and won't be in this December camp. Any, uh, I, Mihailovic to me is like the one player that would it would be a crime if we didn't see him. Are there any other players that you would consider in that same tier? I don't know if I'd say it's a crime not to see any specific player. There's a lot of, there's so much young talent in MLS that whoever gets called in and gets a look, as long as we're calling in young talent from MLS, that's what I want to see out of this window. I don't want to see us bringing in a camp of, you know, 30 year old MLS veterans <laughs> when we could be taking a chance to get a look, you know, at some of this really um, good young talent that exists. Yeah. I'm just laughing because the match announcement literally has Sebastian Linda <laughs> with the captain's armband as the picture next to the USA versus Bosnia and Herzegovina. Ryan, are there any players for you on your end that you just need to see on this team? No, I mean, th there's no one specifically that really comes to mind. I, I would definitely just echo what Tom said is as long as it's young, like young up and coming players, I don't need to see Matt head out there. You know, I don't, I don't need to see any of those old January players that we've seen and we know what they have. Uh, yeah. Just, if anything, hopefully another stage for young up and coming MLS players to, to perform and maybe catch the eye of somebody that's at that game see if they can continue to progress in their career and get over to Europe. Yeah. Guys, absolutely. Omar, Omar Gonzalez and Michael Bradley are available for call-ups. Just saying. <laughs> and, and Josie probably. Yeah. <laughs> May, uh, so, I mean, we've, we've touched a lot on these MLS players. Maybe let's just touch on we're we're us soccer podcast in the United States of America at the moment. There are playoffs going on for our league in MLS. Um, the one thing that I don't want to see is New York City FC in the final versus RSL playing the final MLS championship game on a baseball field. That's the only comment I have about this topic. That's Basically, so if Portland plays in for the Western Conference, then we don't have to worry about that. But New York City versus RSL is my disaster class game that I do not want to watch on television. Guys, give me your thoughts on the MLS playoffs so far. We talked about that crazy shootout for the Philadelphia Union in Nashville last night, as well as the last minute goal from Bobby Wood. Anything else that you've seen or are looking out for in the next few weeks? I'm going to let Tom go ahead and run with this one. I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I've been nothing but highlights and, and reading some tweets here and there. So I definitely haven't been watching any of the games. Um, it's just timing hasn't worked out for me. So, Tom, this is your moment. Let it let it shine, man. <laughs> so, I've been watching as much as I can have been able to, you know, get get time to watch, given how busy I am right now with work. But I've been impressed with RSL, given how 
horrible they were during the regular season and how they've managed to pull off this run. They're sort of having one of those Cinderella runs. The most annoying thing about that run, though, is that David Ochoa has decided to play the you know professional wrestling villain throughout the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's been really, really annoying to watch. Um, he keeps making offhanded comments after his games and, you know, playing commenting on how good of a goalkeeper he is. And I don't know. He had a great game against Seattle, but I didn't think he was anything special against Sporting Kansas City. He just got lucky with Bobby Wood finishing a goal to end that game. In the Eastern Conference side, Philadelphia looks good. I'm amused that Nashville goes out on a draw. It's the most Gary Smith way to go out for them. They tied the record for draws this year. They still maintain that that's the best way to play, is to play defensive and play for draws. And it's poetic justice that penalty kicks killed them. Um, <laughs> beyond that, I got very little to say on the Eastern Conference. You know, New York. <laughs> New England is really good. I expect them to, you know, get past New York City. But them and Philly are both great teams, so you never know what's going to happen there. I didn't think Philly trusted their youth enough, enough last night either. So, yeah. yeah it's, Although it's, McGlynn, it's had the, McGlynn had the winning penalty, and it was it was really nicely taken. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, you're right. We we have Paxton Aronson, right? We have um, McGlynn. Um, even DeVries is on loan to Venezia's B team. So it's, yeah, they they took them all the way through the, the league to get them to the point of the playoffs and then have kind of backed off on that youth movement. The amusing thing about that game last night was that neither team made a tactical substitution in regulation. They both sort of did the, I trust no one on the bench after 11. <laughs> We're just going to go as far as we can with the 11 on the field. <laughs> Which is kind of what Nash- happened to... Yeah. To uh, Chelsea against Man Man United, they didn't make yeah. any changes until ten minutes, fifteen minutes before the game. Yeah, no. I mean, Nashville has a six million dollars striker on their bench that they just left sitting there throughout the entire game, and Paxton Aronson didn't see the field either. It was bizarre, especially because considering neither team had an offense to really speak of in the second half or, or extra time. So I would have expected more changes, especially for someone as young as Paxton Aronson. Yeah. Just to follow up on the David Ochoa comments for any of our listeners that haven't seen it, the initial comment after they beat Colorado Rapids was that they they are playing to win the game with zero shots. Was like that's their goal is to win the game with zero shots. That's what he said after the game, and then after this most recent game <laughs> against uh, Sporting Kansas City, he said that the MLS should rescind the rookie player of the year award from Pepe and give it to him, <laughs> which I thought was the most hilarious comment he could possibly make. So you're right. The the pro wrestling villain is the best um, metaphor that you can possibly yeah. make about David Ochoa <laughs> right now. And right, to his see. credit, they did, they allowed 21 shots against Seattle. None of them were on target as far as I could tell, but they didn't record a shot in 120 minutes. So... <laughs> Props to him. <laughs> they managed to get through that game on a good penalty shootout from him. So good job. Yeah. I'll give him props there. Okay. He gets a golf clap. <laughs> That's where we're at. All right. Uh, MLS playoffs. You're killing it so far. I'm sure we'll talk more about them as they go forward. And again, just please know NYCFC versus RSL final. That's all I ask of the <laughs> soccer gods. Um, all right, guys. 
give me one or two games to look out for over this next week. We, I don't think we have Champions League this week. We do have more Premier League games and some League Cups in other uh, places across the world. So, uh, Ryan, Tom, I don't know which one of you are ready to give me your, your teams and games that you're watching. I've got a couple of midweek games that are interesting. Uh, you know, can't forget about our women. The women's team does take on Australia. Uh, that's going to be for us at, for me at 10 o'clock. Uh, so that makes it real late at, for you guys. Um, Norwich also plays midweek against Newcastle. I think that's, you know, a game in which Norwich could actually score a goal or at least put a couple shots on frame. That'd be nice to see. Um, and then lastly, Venezia versus uh, Atalanta. I think that'll be a really good matchup as well. Two defensive-minded teams, so it could be a little bit boring to watch, but let's see if Busio can break out and you know, finally continue to make his progression forward with our team. Yeah. I mean, Atalanta's not a, uh, a rollover opponent. I think they just beat Juventus right. away, so definitely a good, uh, good test for Venezia. Tom, how about you? I got three games on Saturday that I'm looking forward to. So it's a good, good good slate of games. If you're looking to watch European soccer, then end with MLS. So at 5.30 a.m., my time out here in New Mexico, it'll be 7.30 Eastern. We got, uh, we've got Pul- uh, Pulisic and Chelsea taking on West Ham and Mikhail Antonio. So it'll be an interesting game to see how Pul- if Pulisic can get some playing time. West Ham's been a really good team this year in the Premier League. So excited to see how he does in that one. Moving on later in the day, we get Der Klassiker. We got... Dortmund versus Bayern Munich, unfortunately won't feature Gio Reyna this year, but always a great game to watch. I'm excited to see how that one goes. And then, as Jake has mentioned a few times, we've got Portland RSL in the game that we cannot have Portland lose if we want to avoid Yankee Stadium <laughs> for our final for our MLS Cup venue. So can RSL's miracle run continue or will Portland put an end to it? I feel like all of us here are going to be on the Portland train. Not a big Oshawa fan, and Portland's just a fantastic team to watch. Yeah. I do wonder how American, how USMNT RSL fans are feeling right now <laughs> about um, what's happening on their team and, and how their run through the playoffs has has occurred so far. Um, I think those are all great games, guys. Sir Classicer is always the one that's circled on, on my calendar. Um, we have a lot of our French League players in action on Saturday as well with important games. So Conrad with Marseille are taking on Brest. And Timothy Weah, who has been starting recently for Lille, has a game as well on Saturday. So a lot of our boys in action through midweek Gio, and Saturday. Gio Akini also got some minutes this week too. Yes, he did for Montpellier. Did, yeah. yeah. Did he get his I first never, start? I think that was his second or third start. Okay. Yeah. Got subbed out, but hey, we'll take it. We'll take the minutes. Uh, so many just players and names popping up now that are everywhere. If Matthew Hoppy can get healthy or whatever is happening to him <laughs> gets better, um, man, we just have so many players. Matt Miazga was an unused sub for uh, Alaves over the weekend. So, yeah, just players everywhere that just need to start getting playing time, get healthy. And we'll be good to go in January. I'm feeling positive and optimistic. We're we're still two months away from those games, so a lot can happen and a lot can change. All right, guys. We're through the, the episode. 
We're back to last word. Ryan, what do you have to say? Uh, you know, just hopefully that I'm able to get into the stadium this weekend and go check out Hoffenheim versus Frankfurt and go continue to root on Chris Richards. So just I know that they, there is a council meeting midweek here in Germany. Uh, so anticipating what comes out of there very anxiously. Yeah. We hope you get to go. <laughs> Tom, how about you? You know, I'm just going to try and buckle down here in crunch time. We got two weeks to go until the semester ends. Then I got about a month break before anything else really big happens. So going to try and just buckle down and get through some, you know, astrophysics work here in New Mexico <laughs> and put on my college football hat a little bit because we got some great games this weekend. My Georgia Bulldogs with a huge game against Alabama in the SEC championship that will also be on my radar for a game to watch. Cheering on my dogs, hoping we can finally break that streak. So a lot going on here. Uh, it's going to be an exciting time for, you know, taking a little bit of downtime from soccer. Once you're done with school, Tom, we need you working on that proprietary system that tells us if we're going to qualify for the World Cup or not. So no no downtime for you. We need, Code's written. We need your... Just got to edit it. <laughs> got to change it. Got to tweak a couple of things in the model. But yeah, code, I'll, I'll, I'll build out a full World Cup model for everyone and have it published in December. Nice one. Perfect. Nice one. Guys, thank you so much. We just uh, passed over Thanksgiving. I hope everyone had a wonderful time, hopefully able to see some family and be thankful. And what I am thankful for is being able to host this podcast with two other lovely folks and be able to talk about soccer with everyone that's listening and watching. So until next week, hope you enjoy all the games over the next week and weekend. We'll see you next time on Yanks by Talking. Servus.